welcome to the audiobook speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who will be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. Tonight's speakeasy chat is being brought to you by Squeaky Cheese Productions on the Cutting Wedge. You can find them on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. I have two guests tonight, both of them named Emily. Emily Lawrence, you met previously on episode 68. Emily Ellett has not been in the speakeasy before, but they are both here tonight. Emily and Emily, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Sure, glad you guys could make it in. I know there's some important stuff on the horizon that you can uh, help everybody learn about and understand better. Yeah, that's the plan. Good, good. goal, anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. So, uh, so this being a speakeasy, what are you drinking tonight, uh, Emily Lawrence? Water, because I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So I did not remember that you didn't drink alcohol. I know that you had water the last time you were here, I did. but. I just- you know, but at the time I was thinking it was because you had just gotten back from an extended stay in Southeast Asia. And I thought maybe there was just, you know, getting back to normal, hydrating, all that good stuff. Oh no, I actually basically gave up alcohol and I started narrating because I I can't drink and then record the next day. It just like ruins my voice. Uh, And then I just, I was never a big drinker anyway. So I just got out of the habit and now I'm super lightweight. So if I have like half a glass, I'm gone for the night. (laughs) <laughs> totally understand. Totally understand. Uh, it it does. It can have an effect on the voice. I make sure not to drink and then especially drink heavily and then narrate right away. Uh, but usually the next day is all right. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Ellett, what are you drinking tonight? I am being super millennial and drinking LaCroix. <laughs> LaCroix. Oh, yeah. LaCroix. Yeah. I, I would if I didn't have to drive to a play rehearsal at the end of this. I would totally have finished off the rosé that's in my fridge. But uh. I, I I do understand if you have commuting in your future, usually <laughs> not. Yep, usually not wise. And if you're going to be rehearsing a play, usually not wise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll make yeah, me way more fun as an actor. <laughs> Depends on the play, really. Yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. What's the play? The Twelve Dates of Christmas. Sounds like a holiday theme. It is a hol- It's a December <laughs> show at a local Denver theater. So. Alcohol might help with that one. Yeah. On. <laughs> Possibly. My, my guess is it would definitely help if I was in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm the only one having an alcoholic beverage this evening. I'm having my uh, latest, my latest favorite bourbon cocktail, which I only mm. learned about recently, called a paper plane. Uh, kind of along the lines of a last word, which is a, a, a gin cocktail. It's got equal parts of uh, four ingredients, bourbon, of course, lemon juice, uh, Amaro Nonino Quintessencia, and uh, Aperol. And it's this lovely mm. peachy color. So I don't know. I just, uh, this, this is one that I, I really like, and I'm glad that I found a recipe for invented uh, somewhere around 14 years ago. And uh, I guess it was popular for a while. I never heard about it at the time, but uh, I love it now. So thanks for coming in. No alcohol except for me. And that's okay. Cheers. You're holding <laughs> it up for the rest of us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. So um, for anybody who has not uh, listened to the episode yet, please do listen to episode 68. You can find out more about Emily Lawrence and her background. Um, and, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna skip hearing about Emily Lawrence's background, but Emily Ellett, tell me a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? Um, kind of a few places. I was born in LA and then when we were sick, when I was six, uh, we moved to St. Louis and then at 12, we moved to Colorado Springs and then I went back near St. Louis for college. So I've kind of been all over, um, but I was in New York for about 10 years until the pandemic. And then I moved out here to Denver. So that's where I am today. Wow, quite a bit of moving around. <laughs> I know. People did... are always like, oh, are your family military? No, my parents <laughs> just kept moving. Well, uh, yeah, my wife did a, a little bit of moving when she was a kid. And her uh, her parents were not military either. It does happen. It does happen. Uh, um, when, when did you get into performing? Well, <laughs> unless you count the natural tendency to overact my entire life as a kid. Um, I actually grew up as a band nerd. 
I wow. did. Um, I always wanted to do like theater and musical theater and things like that, but um, I didn't actually start training until college. Before that, I just did flute and piccolo, which I love and still play. But um, yeah, in college, I started doing theater and singing and dancing and all of that. And then, oh, several years later in New York, uh, got into audiobooks. Cool. When was that? So, well, technically, the first time I got into audiobooks, I was working for a small, mostly Christian publisher in Mustang, Oklahoma. Oh my. Uh, it's just an on-staff narrator. Um, fun story. They actually got sued by their authors for, like, embezzlement or something, and all of those titles are gone. So that wow. part of my narrating career has disappeared, um, which is <laughs> fine. <laughs> I had no training. So I did that uh, in 2010. And then I didn't do it again until I'd been in New York a few years, and it was the fall of 2013 that I auditioned for the Library of Congress's Books for the Blind program mm. and got quite, in. Quite a few narrators got their start there. Yeah, I, I learned it. There's a venerable history there. So I did that exclusively until 2018 was, I think, when I began to transition into commercial stuff. And I still do the occasional title for Library of Congress because the studio I worked for and the people, I just love them and... So I'll, I'll do a book for them every now and then. That's it's a great cool. excuse well, to read books I would never read otherwise. So. <laughs> <laughs> I look at audiobook narration in general that way. There are so many books that I've narrated that that I have loved that I never would have found this book. No. It just, um, it, you know, and everybody has titles that they don't love. But um, but I've been really lucky. I've gotten all kinds of books that I, I would never have just chosen to read on my own. And yet I loved them for a, mm -hmm. a whole variety of reasons, both both fiction and nonfiction. So you really do fall in love with I mean, hopefully. But when yeah. you do fall in love, it then you're like, everybody should read this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes it easier to promote, too, if, you, uh, so. if you're into that thing, that kind of thing. Um, well, that's cool. So you have been narrating for, for quite a while then. In fact, 2010, I mean, that was even before uh, ACX came on the map. Yeah. Uh, so so that's, that, that's a while. Um, how do you two know each other? Just through audiobooks? How did we? Yeah, I mean... Uh, Somewhere Facebook. in the audiobook world, we crossed probably first on Facebook. Yeah. And like APAC and things like that. I have no, it's really, I have no idea. It's one of those where, <laughs> it's those Facebook friendships where you're like, we've known each other forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. So, um, but you do know each other and you are now starting, I believe that Emily Lawrence was the driving force initially, but I know that you have a big part in this as well now, Emily, or maybe I have that backward. You can, you can school me on this. Um, you are now starting the Professional Audiobook Narrators Association. Pana. Nice. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So, so um, tell me how that started. Do, do I have that right? Emily Lawrence, were, were um, you kind of the driving sort of. force? So, well, so kind of what happened was Emily was actually, Emily Ellett was actually working with um, somebody else on this, on, on a, a sort of similar as a venture. Conception, a, just a, a, con yeah. a conceptual idea separately from me. Um, and I actually started initially pursuing a peer-reviewed award ceremony a la the SAG Awards for audiobooks. Um, and I started pursuing that at the beginning of the year um, in like January, February, and I spent a couple months reaching out to SAG-AFTRA, seeing how possible that was. And the answer um, became not really possible, <laughs> was the answer. Um, because uh, SAG just has, as, as a labor union, they have a lot of, you know, sort of legal restrictions and red tape. And there were just, it, it, uh, because of the way that they had to do things, it was very difficult to get something like that started off the ground. So I was sort of bouncing around the idea of of having something like that tied to some sort of organization and then as the months progressed it became clear through various facebook conversations in in different narrator groups that there was really a need for an organization that was narrator focused by narrators for narrators to advocate for our collective interests and somehow through those conversations, Emily mentioned, Emily Ellett mentioned that she was working on something that, and that perhaps we could work together on it. And so, uh, while I think I've been possibly more of the public face of it, um, Emily has absolutely been like a huge driving force behind the scenes. She's done a lot of the major legwork and she built our website from scratch. Um, so wow. I really... I really think that this has been very much a joint partnership between the two of us. 
That's Basically very cool. What I... Yeah. I, I, um, sorry, Emily, didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Um, but, fine. but I, I totally get, um, how that could have happened. And yet you're right, Emily Lawrence. Um, I definitely think of you as a driving force, but it's, I, I know that there's a big difference between the public face and the behind the scenes, um, work that goes on. And sometimes there's more of one than the other, but sometimes you only see one. So, uh, so that's great. I'm, I'm glad to know, uh, a little bit more about the history there about how that all started. So Emily, sorry about cutting you off there. Emily Ellett, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I remember that the the conversation that Emily Lawrence and I had was basically, I told her I was working on this idea with someone else who's not really in the audiobooks industry anymore. Um, I still think it's a really viable idea. And what I told her was, if you've, you know, if, if someone else is willing to be the face of it, I will produce the shit out of it. And <laughs> so then we started and I was like, oh, I guess I better follow through and produce the shit out of it. So, yeah, I willingly signed up to be the behind the scenes grunt work. So that's great. How how much of the fact that uh, I, I remember about six months or a year ago, maybe even longer, um, but I started seeing more and more comments about it online about the fact that the APA was uh, allowing membership, and, and I'm not arguing that they shouldn't because I understand that the APA is the Audio Publishers Association, um, but, but there were more and more people who I, were seeing, who I was seeing were upset about the fact that more and more companies that, use, that were using AI technology were um, becoming members of the APA. Was was any of that sort of part of driving the uh, the effort to get a narrator specific professional organization together? I think that that was a, a moment. I, I think less when they were joining the APA, but when there were several AI sponsors of APAC, um, that was a moment that I think was very frightening for a lot of narrators to see that they were at this point that. Not only were they producing books, but that they had sort of entered into the the industry in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, I think the Audio Publishers Association is a fantastic organization. I have personally benefited greatly from my membership. I would absolutely recommend to anyone that they should become a member if they're serious about a career in audiobooks, whether they're a narrator, director, pr- proofer, whatever. Um, but I do think that it that was a moment where, you know, who really knows what individuals in the APA think of having AI sponsors for the event or AI audiobooks in general. Um, and, you know, I don't think allowing sponsors necessarily meant that they felt one way or another about AI audiobooks, but it certainly meant that that they were willing to let them, you know, be part of the, the industry in a very public way. Right. Um, and so I think that was a moment where a lot of people felt that it was important to have an organization that spoke for human narrators um, because while the APA is a fantastic organization which has done so much for narrators and given great resources training-wise and networking-wise, et cetera, um, that there are definitely times where the interests of publishers and the interests of narrators don't always conflate. And that it wouldn't be a terrible idea to have an organization that that had our backs uh, in every situation. Yeah, um, no, that, so, that makes a lot of sense. I and I I have to agree with you on all the the positive things about the APA. That's why I wanted to uh, say earlier. I I definitely uh, am not opposed to them allowing audio publishers who use AI technology. That's I, I think that it's important to understand the the purpose of any organization, and they are audio publishers, and that is part of the industry at this point. And and I I also, uh, in my own experience, would concur. I've I've gotten a great deal out of my membership with the APA. So I'm, I'm I definitely didn't mean that question to imply to anybody listening that uh, it's a bad organization or they're doing the wrong thing or anything like that. I just I just remember that. Like you said, that moment when it seemed to be getting a lot of attention, um, the AI companies. I think what it did was it, you know, there'd been lots of conversations in different pockets of the Internet and in person of, you know, people saying, I wish we had like our own award show or I wish we had this. I wish we had a strategy for AI. You know, there were all these different conversations happening. And I, it, it's hard to say. I don't think the timing was like, I don't think it was causative. But I do think that all these items, you know, all these different sort of facets coalesced at the same time to make it so that 
much of the narrator community at the same time went, hey, that is a good idea. We should have our own trade association. Yeah, I can totally see that. Advocating for that, you know, and and our hope at PANA is, and, you know, we've begun conversations. We want to partner with the APA. We are not, you know, very much not anti-APA. We very much appreciate them and want to continue to work with them and appreciate all that they have done and are doing and will doing for narrators. Yeah. But, you know, that that makes sense. I also think what was great about those conversations that were happening around that time was that Emily and I were already discussing with each other about this. Yeah. Um, and then there were some in in a in a you know one or two narrator groups. There would be conversations where it became very clear that this had a lot of support in the community, and right. so and I think that there was also a conversation around that time where somebody actually who was not one of us uh, made a post like somebody should do this. And everyone was like, yeah, that's such a great idea. And so at that point, that was when Emily uh, commented, like, okay, a few of us, like, we we publicly outed ourselves. A few of us are working on this. Give us some time. Um, but so I think that that what that did was it put into the fore the the need for this organization, but also I think the the support in the community that this was very much something that people wanted and were interested in and kind of validated what we had already been putting together. Yeah, yeah. And and it sounds like you are pretty much off the ground at this point. So um so give me some details about the organization. Who who can join? What does it cost? Oh, we're waiting for me. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> not getting not being able to see you. I can't tell. Um so um any professional audiobook narrator, by which we mean anyone who has one publicly available audiobook title, whether that is on Audible or via the Library of Congress, you know, just if some producer or publisher or website can vouch that, hey, you recorded and released to the public an audiobook, you're eligible to join. We wanted to make it as inclusive as possible, union and non-union, although we are, of course, very pro-union, Emily and I, you know, and we're always going to support the union. Um, The idea for this organization was to bring union and non-union under one umbrella to work together as one cohesive narrator community. Um, So dues to that end are $125 a year. And um, the idea is that those dues largely will go towards specifically advocating for narrators, whether that's hammering out a, a comprehensive sort of strategy regarding AI and how we as narrators want to handle that, whether that's, you know, one of the big things that we've talked about is the idea of having a, like, public PR campaign to raise the status of narrators in the consumer's minds. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I say, oh, they're like, I love listening to audiobooks. And I'm like, awesome. Who are your favorite narrators? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a huge opportunity here that we have to, to raise the profile of the narrator. And especially, like, in some ways, the timing of AI is perfect because it gives us the opportunity to say, this is why human voices matter. And here are your voices. Here are the people behind these stories that you're enjoying and living with for hours upon hours. Meet the person who brought that to you. I think there's a tremendous opportunity there. We also want that. We also want your dues to go towards local events, regional events. You know, what that'll be will depend on what people want. You know, it's this is a very um, member-focused organization. So we will be very responsive in that sense. Um, We want to do, do you want to talk a little about the ideas for certification, Emily? Um, Sure. I don't want to talk about it too much because it's very much in its uh, early stages, but we have some very ambitious ideas about educational resources for narrators and, um, you know, going further than currently available programs. You know, right now it's sort of scattered this coach here, that coach there, you know, as people can, but we want to create something that, you know, when you say I'm certified by PANA in these skills or, or my recording studio is certified by PANA, uh, that it's like a meaningful thing for our employers uh, to, yeah, you know, kind of like, you know, like a guild in a, in a sense of, of having a, a, a certification that that is very meaningful um, so that our employers are not trying to guess, well, they say they've coached with, you know, so-and-so, but what does that mean? How many sessions did they really have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so something that would be helpful for our employers in that way. Um, and we have, we have a lot of really ambitious plans. I mean, I mentioned earlier the peer-reviewed 
award ceremony mm -hmm. of really what this organization is about is community. And we have such a wonderful community already in the audiobook industry um, and especially among narrators. So it's kind of basically just formalizing what we already think is there. There's already a lot of different resources for narrators um, where they can learn about the industry, learn from different coaches, uh, you know, social type of things like, you know, the narrator's cup of joe or um, like your speakeasy or, you know, just very things that different members have of our community have created. And we kind of want to be able to unify that. Here's a one-stop shop where if you want to be an audiobook narrator, this is all you need and here's everything you need to know. And um, so we're, we're very ambitious in that way. Mm -hmm. Very. Uh, I do also <laughs> want to mention because uh, I can't recall if Emily said it just now, but we are an international organization. Yes. Um, so we are open to members all over the world. Um, part of, we one of our committees is uh, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And part of our definition of diversity includes global international perspectives. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, everything that we're doing is very member-focused and member-driven. So yes. if if our members say, hey, we as an international group or whatever need this or that, we're going to do what we can to make that happen. Obviously, we're the, the resources we have at our disposal depends on how many people are willing to jump in and, and help us out. But um, but we very much want to address the needs of our members to the best of our ability. Uh, so, you know, if there's anything that we're not thinking of or that people would like to see, we would really love to hear that in general. Um, so reach out to Emily or me on our website. Uh, that's great. So speaking of the website, um, let's go ahead and get that in a few times just so that uh, people yeah. are aware of where to go. It is pronarrators.org. Okay. And from that location, people can get in touch with you and um, join mm -hmm. and do everything they need to. Yeah, there's there's pretty much all the information you could want there about what we're doing, what our committees are, what their visions are. If you go to the committees page and click on each of the committees, it'll have a pop up that gives you a full explanation of how we, you know what we envision for this committee. Um, the membership page has the dues and what those dues include. Um, oh, there was one other thing I was going to say. Well, real quick, since you're talking about the the committees, um, I'm I'm wondering, and this is probably on the website as well, but since you're here. Um, what what is the structure of the organization? Well, okay. So as a trade uh, association, um, at sort of the at the top is the the board of directors. Uh, legally speaking, um, the board of directors has to approve any actual actions. Um, so what, the way that we have it set it up set up is that we have nine voting board members, uh, including myself, uh, though I also act as the chair of the board. Um, and then we have a treasurer who's Emily Ellett and a secretary who's currently Janina Edwards. Um, and the treasurer and secretary do not vote uh, their more advisory positions. Mm. And they're appointed um, rather than elected. Exactly. Um, okay. Which, speaking of elections, so uh, new board members are elected or reelected every year. Um, our board started meeting in September. So, or August, I think it was September. And so we're going to have elections every September. Um, and and are, are, is everybody who joins a voting member, they can vote on that? Yes. Everybody, yes. So the way that we're doing that, and actually thank you for asking that because I wanted to address that also. The way that we have it currently structured is that only narrators who meet the you know minimum of one book narrated can be members. And so all members are voting members. Um, if there, there are other people in our community who've already reached out expressing an interest in being part of this venture, such as proofers, editors, directors, um, pr producers, people who work for publishers, publishers themselves, um, all of those people are more than welcome in our general community. Uh, but because this is a narrator organization, we're not taking them into the organization as members. What we're doing is we're offering sponsorship tiers. And so people, we will create, we have not done this yet. We will create different options of sponsorship tiers. And so those, you know, individuals or companies or whatever can choose how they want to support us or sponsor us. And they'll have different rewards and different levels. Uh, we have a sponsorship committee that is going to be setting that up in the next few months. So bear with us. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if that's you, 
subscribe to our mailing list. We'll send out a notice once those are ready. Um, but so those people are not voting members, they're sponsors and sponsors will be welcome at events and they'll get discounts depending on their sponsorship tier, et cetera. Um, so getting back to the structure, uh, annual elections for our board will be voted on by members. Any member can run to be on the board of directors, though we recommend that you're somebody who's you know, familiar with the industry and thinks that you would be, uh, you would contribute to the, the organization in a meaningful way. Um, that's, that's how the, the driving force is with the board. Um, below that would be various committees who are run by chairs of the committees. Uh, we currently have eight committees. Uh, help me if I forget them, but they are uh, the awards committee, the events committee, which will do uh, various local networking in-person events or also digital events, possibly a conference one day. That's the events committee. Um, the membership committee is in charge of welcoming new members, everything that has to do with membership needs. The communications committee runs our website and social media. We have the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. The sponsorship committee, which I just described. Um, the education committee. Thank you. The education committee who are creating our educational programs. And the last one is advocacy. Advocacy. That's like <laughs> the most important one, one too. <laughs> advocacy. I was saving it for the end. Advocacy. Um, they're the committee that's going to be working on basically all of the things that, that we would like to see as changes in our industry that falls under the category of we are advocating for member interests in the wider public. So the advocacy committee may be running, you know, social media or general media PR campaigns. They may be, they'll be creating the strategy for, for how to deal with the future of AI and anything that has to do with, with that, um, that, that falls into advocacy. And so basically, sorry, go ahead. Basically the committees will meet probably monthly or however, with that, which, with whatever frequency they want. Um, and the committees are run by a chair who oversees the committee, occasionally a co-chair. Chairs are appointed by the board of directors. Uh, they answer directly to the board. And the way that we, we have it set up is that, uh, so there are nine total members of the board, but I'm also acting as chair. So when you remove me, that's eight members. And each of those board members is a liaison to a specific committee. Uh. And basically that that board member may or may not take an active role in like what's actually happening. They may or may not attend meetings, um, but that the, the committees will report to their assign the committee chair, I should say, will report just kind of an update. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we discussed to the, the board member. That's their liaison. And then that board member will report to the board at our next meeting. Got it. Um, sounds sounds like a you've you've thought this out. I mean, it, it sounds like a a well well structured organization, and uh, and uh, all of the things like the fact that a specific board member will deal with a specific committee. I mean, it it, it sounds like uh, you put a lot of thought into this. I have a lot of background serving on church boards and doing various volunteer organizations. So, uh, twenty years of that came in real handy. <laughs> no doubt. Um, uh, well, well, that's good. So, uh, so we know, I, you know, you mentioned the advocacy committee being so important. I, I would assume that the education committee will be too. I mean, I can imagine that a lot of people who would want to join an organization like this would be thinking, well, I have my one book or two books or five books, and I really need to, you know, understand how to, how to make things better and how to make this, you know, move forward as a career. Uh, and so I imagine that the education uh, committee will have some some good stuff coming out. I mean, Absolutely. this is yeah. my bias talking, but I, I think every single one of these committees is like super important. Um, mm. You know, every like the membership committee is huge. We're You know, our hope is to have several hundred members. How do you make sure that every member feels heard, the new ones and the older ones? How do you make sure that, you know, um, 
Oh, where was I going with that? My brain is just not here. Um, but with <laughs> membership, um, you know, how do you make sure, how do we try to manage, you know, the tendency of humanity to fracture into divisive groups? Like, how no, do we work against happens. that? That never happens. No, <laughs> there are never strong opinions, least of all in the audiobook community. Um, so, like, the membership, I think, is equally important. I think advocacy, it's easy to say, is the most important just because... I think that's where we're going to initially put the biggest focus. But I actually think each one of these committees is equally important, not only for within the organization, but also enabling us to work outward. And I will say one of the hopes with the committees is that they work with each other. So like if the advocacy committee wants to do some sort of event, talk to the events committee and be like, okay, what are best practices? Can you help us make sure this is smart? Also that they'll reach out to the DEI committee and be like, hey, are there perspectives that we're not considering here from like an ableism or, you know, how do we, how do we be better thoughtful about the full needs of our members? My, uh, that is the hope, you know, and then reach out to the communications committee and be like, okay, we need some social media posts for this. Can you guys help us out? Can you put something on the website? So the, the goal is that they all work together really beautifully. We will see. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I think that, you know, each of these committees exist because they're all vitally important. Yeah. Um, I totally agree that the education committee is going to be hugely important. I think uh, it's, it, that's more of a long-term goal. Yeah, it's going to take burn. time to create those programs. So I think mm -hmm. that the education committee will probably be a less visible committee to start and then become hugely important in time once their programs are ready. Um, I, yes, when I say the advocacy is most important, I did not mean to minimize the importance of the rest of the committees. I think that they're the ones who are going to be addressing the like pressing sort of needs that we all talk about, you know, that, sure. uh, that, that, that will be, uh, they'll be very public in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, and it makes sense that they're all important to one degree or another. Um, so, uh, the events committee, uh, you mentioned like local regional events, is there a thought at this point about having a uh, an annual convention like the APA does? Maybe yes. down the line, not not, <laughs> not right out the gate. I mean, sure. first of all, yeah. APAC long term goals. <laughs> yeah, APAC is yeah. APAC is doing a wonderful job, and you know who knows what the future holds if there's an opportunity for partnership there, if we can support them, and what that all looks like. But something. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's you know this again. This organization is member driven. So it is driven by the people who join these committees and tell us what they want. So if the events committee comes back and is like, we want to do a conference and we want it to be next year, then we will say, okay, great, put together a plan and we'll figure that out. Um, if they choose to be more focused on local events, you know, uh, our, our goal is not necessarily to like, I think there's a lot of questions about how are you guys going to be different from the APA? You know, do we need both? Um, and I, and I think that, while I really hope that we will work in concert with the APA in general, like our, our goal is not just to recreate them, like, but narrator focused, oh, you know, we have know. a lot of other plans, a lot of other goals. And I think that there is a lot of different ways to serve our members uh, that just once people are, are thinking about it, be finding creative solutions to problems, there'll be a lot of variety in, in what we can offer. I mean, we are all artists, so we are very creative, <laughs> fresh-thinking people. Yeah, no, no, it 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 sounds great. Um, so, how much interest is there so far? I don't know how how long you've had the doors open for people to join. Um, and six hours, six hours. Yeah. Oh, oh today it's just today. <laughs> you know, yeah, we just announced it this morning. Um, okay. I and... think I have approved seventy people already. Wow. So there's, so there's quite a bit just in one day hours, after, after yeah. the, um, I assume that most of the promotion at this point has happened on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. Af after just posting things on social media, you have that much interest immediately. That's great. I, it yeah. certainly, certainly sounds like that speaks well to the, um, potential future of the organization. Yeah. We've been really excited with the response. Um, even before we opened the doors, we've mm -hmm. had some some different, you know, members of the community reach out and say, you know, how can we help? How can we sponsor you? How can we support you? So there has definitely been a lot of excitement about this. And, you know, for those who are listening who have joined, please tell your friends because we can only hit so many people <laughs> via the algorithm. And, you know, yeah. I mean, 
there were some people commenting on the post today who were like, oh, I had no idea any of this was happening. And it was like, we've posted dozens of times. And like, so the more, you know, the more you can invite your friends and and others, like, I think this is very much a case of collective action is where Mm -hmm. the potential is, you know, like, sure, a few of us can do something, but if we have hundreds of us, that's powerful, both financially and just as a voice. There's a lot of potential there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Emily and I are very dedicated, driven people. We can <laughs> we can do quite a bit, but um, this organization is going to live or die based on the enthusiasm, the passion, the contributions of our members. Yeah. Um, we absolutely need the people who are, you know, willing to give time, money, whatever, um, to help this happen because... Uh, yeah, I mean, we're that's that's our resource is this community, and so we're we really believe that this is a, this community is hugely powerful and strong, and I believe in our power to to change the world if we wanted, but um, starting with our industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to have a focus at first. No, that's great. Everything everything sounds good. Um, what else uh, do you think is is really important for people to know about it besides? the uh website uh say that one again pro narrators pro narrators.org okay we're pretty much pro narrators everywhere we're yeah, pro narrators on social media too which okay. actually emily do you know what i realized today while i was posting something we actually set ourselves up for a double meaning there not only are we professional narrators pro narrators we are pro narrator we oh are yeah here for the narrator and i was like oh my gosh we were brilliant and didn't know it look at That's that great. Um, Uh, yeah so so what else what uh what what do you think is important for people to know i mean i think one of the biggest things is if you are interested in joining and you have questions ask us and if you do join please 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 offer to serve on a committee again like (laughs) emily was saying this organization is only as capable as its membership steps up to the plate. You know, the board is here for guidance and direction, but this is member-driven. So we need the members to step up and be active. And of course, the the counterintuitive thing is you're like, oh, I'm too busy, I can't. Well, if everybody says that, then you've got like three people trying to do all the work, whereas if everybody comes in, you know, we've got this document that we've created for the committees for their first meeting you know, with a bunch of things to consider and questions to kind of get the ball rolling on what your committee could look like. And some of the overarching things that we want committees to consider is how can you make sure that your members don't burn out in this committee? How can you you spread the work thoughtfully? How can each of us individually be very capable of advocating for themselves and saying, I can do this much. Here's what I can get. Great example. um, When we put out sort of the initial like who's maybe interested in serving survey? We got some responses that said, well, I can't serve on a permanent position, but if you had like a a volunteer core, like a one-off kind of thing where like I could maybe help for like three hours, one random afternoon, I could do that. We hadn't even thought of that. And because a member suggested it, now it's part of oh, I forget which committee I put it in, to have a volunteer corps. I think it's part of the membership committee is to create a volunteer corps so that anyone who wants to give a little but can't give all of their time and can't do a structured thing, by all means, be on the volunteer corps. And um, related to that, if you do fill out our survey for committee interest, which comes in your welcome member email, if you fill that interest survey out, please tell us what skills and abilities and experiences you bring. The more you tell us about what you bring to this organization, the better we can utilize you efficiently. If you just give me three committees you want to serve on and tell me nothing about what your skills are, I'm not going to know where to put you. I'm not going to know what's going to be a good fit for what you bring. So be wordy. This is your chance. Talk about yourself. Tell me everything about you. I will read it all, I promise. And and it makes sense to me that um, that because it's member-driven, there you have a lot of people in this community who can do a lot of different things yeah. other than audiobook narration. Because mm-hmm. most people, most of the people who I know in this industry have not made a career of audiobook narration from the time they were 18 years old. They've done all kinds of other jobs before getting Mm -hmm. into voiceover in general and audiobook narration specifically. And so it seems to me that there's, there's a wealth of information out there from previous careers, as well as, you know, everybody has hobbies and, and what else, whatever else they decide to do. But 
just from previous careers alone, um, you're going to have a lot of a lot of knowledge out there. Absolutely. And people's passions can be really fruitful. One narrator that I connected with recently is really into branding and color theory. And we were like, oh, really? (laughs) And so we had a a nice little email chain with her saying, would you be willing to help us figure out some colors for Panna? And she helped guide us. You know, we gave her our vision and what we were thinking. And she was like, oh, this is fun. And she gave us some colors. And well, literally everything you see uses those colors. So like, (laughs) you'd be surprised. Whatever your passion is, whatever your experience is, we can probably use it and, and you know, make it blossom into something that blesses everyone. So speak up. Cool. Um, sounds great. I, I can't think of anything else specific. Um, well, I wanted to say something about, uh, sure, we were yeah. talking earlier about the, the community reaction. And it has been, I mean, honestly, we've, we've worked really hard on this for the last few months. So <laughs> Many the, the outpouring from the community has been really wonderful. So I want to say thank you to everybody who's, commented, messaged, emailed. Um, Your enthusiasm means so much. Um, And I I think it's also really beautiful that like we've gotten support from people from all over the industry. I've seen comments of people who are like, I'm just finishing my first book now, but as soon as it's up on Audible, I'm going to (laughs) apply, you know, that, that made my day. Um, And then, you know, and then we have people who are like the top, you know, like our, our, our board. Uh, I mean, I'm like thrilled by the the people who have dedicated their their time to be on the board. I and mean, we've got every single one of those narrators is like a, a hugely impressive, like golden voice. You know that yeah. those that sort of person. And so you know, from the very very new narrators to the people who have been doing this for decades and who really believe in this this organization, it's it's been so. May, has really made it all worth it and makes me very excited to see what, what we can all accomplish together. That's great. I, I assume it's going to be quite a bit. Yes. Oh, and on that note, actually, one thing I'd love to mention about the website um, right Which now. Which is? <laughs> pronarrators.org. There you go. <laughs> um, so one thing about the website is it was mostly to be, it was designed mostly to be public facing. So like, who are they? What do they do? Should I join? Right now, once you become a member, you become part of the members area, and there's nothing there. (laughs) But (laughs) there will be (laughs) a lot. There is going to, I mean, uh, time is a a precious commodity. But um, the plan is that as these committees start getting off the ground and things going, we will have a robust and rich members area with, you know, all those resources, like Emily was saying um, about, like, you know, here are all the different, you know, here are the podcasts you can listen to if you want to grow, and here are coaches and things like that. Like, there's going to be that. There's going to be lots of events in the members area. There's going to be, I mean, there's there's tremendous potential on that back end. So if it looks super bare bones right now, it's just because we're just getting started and it does take time. But the plan is that there will be a lot of, of community and resources in there. So hang with us and be patient. And uh, if you can, help us grow. Cool. Um, I, I guess since I, I knew that I've known for a long time that Emily Lawrence uh, is a, a very uh, pro-union union advocate type person. I didn't know that about you, Emily Ellett, until today. But since you are both pro-union and yet the organization is both union and non-union, um, where, do you, where do you see the union fitting into whatever it is that the association is going to be doing? Sure. Um, well, so we've already talked to Jane and Rich about this. They're very supportive of the venture. Um, we, the organization is open to union and non-union because the reality is that not all narrators are union. Mm-hmm. Um, and our goal is to serve narrators wherever they are, you know, at, in their careers, in the world, et cetera. Uh, but however, I think that the union is vitally important. And there are things that just legally and practically we cannot do and should not do because that's really the union's job. We have no intention to, of interfering with the very important work that the union does. And as far as I'm concerned, the union is the reason that like any of us make a living wage, that mm-hmm. I own a house, like any of that. Including you know? non-union. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Even for non-union people too, because they they set the bar of what's standard and then non-union people can decide to follow it or not, but it's still there, you know, as a resource. Mm-hmm. So I think that the union is vitally important. I don't think we could ever replace it, nor should we try to. But I do think that, the union is very busy. <laughs> Jane and Rich have a lot on their plates. Um, 
and you know, Jane only recently became full-time before that they were both part-time. And so there's, there's just so much that they can do. And there are things that the union, it's not appropriate for a union to handle. There are things that the union just doesn't have the resources to deal with. There are things where they have legal or bureaucratic restrictions that tie their hands behind their back. So our goal is to work with them um, in order to create whatever changes that our membership feel needs to happen. Uh, we have no intention of stepping on any of SAG-AFTRA's toes. Um, if something is, <laughs> yeah, if something is like, this is SAG-AFTRA's responsibility, then then we will communicate with them about it. But ultimately, like, we have to back off. We cannot negotiate contracts. We cannot do things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, um, I really don't want to. <laughs> Let Jane and Rich do it. They are so much better than me. Yeah. But, but we do think that there's there's a lot that, that they're just not able to do because they have limited time and resources. And so that's where we come in for sure. Okay. Uh, for people who might not know, that's Jane Love and I can't remember Rich's last name. Rich right Larkin. Larkin. Larkin, right. Yeah. Uh, who are the union... Um, uh, the, the, two, the Yeah, the two union reps that are basically responsible for the audiobook world. They are wonderful um, people. They are. I, I've I've met, uh, well, I've spoken with Jane here in the speakeasy. I have not met Rich, but I have uh, attended uh, some some Zoom thing that where he spoke. I don't remember what it was now. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they are both great. And, and they take this very seriously. They take audiobook mm-hmm. work very seriously. They care very deeply about narrators. Yeah, yeah. So, well, well, that's great to hear. So, um, I don't have any other questions. If you guys, if there isn't anything else, um, that you guys can think of specifically to mention, um, yeah, it, it sounds great. I, I appreciate it. And I'm sure that everybody listening, um, who has at least one audiobook under their belt and hopefully even some <laughs> who don't, uh, also appreciate hearing all about it and the amount of work that you two, as well as others have put into getting this off the ground. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, as we've said multiple times, there is so much potential here, and we are really excited to finally be opening the doors to see where that potential leads. And um, I just want to add, you know, as we're wrapping this up one more time, if anyone has any questions, any time of day or night, you know, we really, both Emily Lawrence and I are super open. Hit us, you know, slide into our DMs. Hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you can find us. We will, I, I will literally have conversations with anyone about this. I just, you know, happy to share what we're doing. And if you have concerns, I want to hear them. If you've, you know, if you've got ideas, I want to hear them. So, and I, I think the same goes for you, Emily. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I think, and we've said this, this is kind of the theme, but like this organization exists for our community. Mm-hmm. So if there's a way that we can do better, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Obviously we're, we, there's only so much we can do with just the two of us. And once the committees are up and running, it'll be even more, but we absolutely want to hear your feedback, your ideas. And we're very open to that. So contact us personally, contact us through the website. You know, whatever. Or if you just want to send us excited dance gifs, that's great too. That's cool too. Hit us up. All right. Well, this is great. Thank you both for coming in and letting us know all about. I didn't realize that um, that this interview was taking place on the very day that you opened <laughs> things up. That's exciting. It was not intentional. <laughs> it was yeah, we happened. had a we had a few kinks in the website that had to be worked out, so our opening <laughs> got delayed a few days. But yeah. well, that's that's cool. It worked out well. Uh, so thank you both for coming in, Emily. Where can people uh, find you? I know that there's the at Pro Narrators, but uh, can people find you directly on social media? Me or Lawrence? Emily <laughs> Ellett. Emily. Yeah, sorry. Emily Ellett. <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm at Emily Ellett on Instagram and at Emily Ellett Voice on Twitter and Facebook page. Um, and I'm in all of those darn Facebook audiobook groups, so you'll find me. There, Just Emily there are, Ellett. There are Facebook groups de- dedicated to audiobooks? So weird. I know. <laughs> Emily Lawrence, where can people find you? Um, okay, so on Facebook. Uh, at Emily Lauren's fan page uh, on Twitter at Emily Lore, L-A-W-R. And then at, on Instagram at Emily Lawrence dad actor, because there was nothing universal. <laughs> actor is pretty universal for the, uh, for the, the uh, performing arts. Uh, anyway. Okay. So that's great. And then the website is pronarrators.org. Yeah. Come play with us. 
All right. Well, that's great. Thank you both for coming in. I'm I'm uh, sorry that I'm the only one who was having something to drink, but it sounds like you both have good reasons for uh, <laughs> not having any adult beverages. So, so my paper sorry. plane, paper plane's almost gone. And uh, uh, if you ever, Emily Ellett, if you are uh, ever in the mood for a drink and you're out here a little bit farther west in Tucson, I'd be happy to make you one. Oh, you're in Tucson. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I there's a lot of the southwest. I've been wanting to go see people and things. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. Tucson's great. Yeah. Another narrator just reached out recently and she said that um, now that they're uh, one of their children is now uh, available for vaccination, they were going to try to travel some Yay. more. And she was asking about Tucson. There's a lot, a lot of cool stuff out here. Awesome. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for coming in. Thank, thank you, you for Rich. having us. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Emily Lawrence and Emily Ellett for stopping in. Even though I was drinking alone, I'm really glad that they could share all of the information about the Professional Audiobook Narrators Association with me and with all of you. Don't forget to check out the sponsor for tonight's episode, Squeaky Cheese Productions. They're on the cutting wedge. They're on the web at squeakycheeseproductions.com, and I'm very grateful for their support of the audiobook speakeasy. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all the usual apps. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Many thanks to Greg Barnett for a recent donation. Glad you're enjoying the show, Greg. The speakeasy's been closed for quite a while recently, as I've had a hard time fitting it into my schedule, but I've got some more episodes planned now, and hopefully I can get those out to you soon. So until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!